hello and welcome to another episode of Mama Mystery. You just stole my intro right watched from her, me. Watched her press the play button and went at it. Yeah. I am your co-host, <laughs> Austin Evans, and this is my beautiful wife in the Mama Mystery. Kelly Evans. Thanks, babe. What? what? You're so sweet. If you listened to the last episode, you listened to us talk about a crazy episode in the United <laughs> Kingdom. Yes, the White House farm murders. Yes. And if you haven't listened to it, I suggest it. But before you listen to that one, if you're just catching up or if you're new or whatever, I would suggest you go back and listen to the Lulu murder and the Stage 5 Cleaner episode, because those are my favorites. And then my previous favorite episode is the Kansas City Butcher. Thank you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody asked, but I'm really glad you said those things. So thanks. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so (laughs) wasn't planning on any of that, but welcome to Mama Mystery. Before we dive in, I want to acknowledge our newest Patreons. And let me tell you what a Patreon is before we acknowledge them, why don't I? A Patreon donates a little bit of cash every month, about the price of a cup of coffee, four, five, seven dollars, give or take, who's counting? And what it does is it supports us, and what you get for that is a lot of value. Early episodes. Who doesn't want that? Ad free. We don't even have any ads, but eventually we will. Script of every episode. And every once in a while, you get a sticker or a piece of merch from Kelly. We haven't done merch yet, but maybe in the future. And you know what? Ultimately, it's for supporting us. So share with your friends. Join the Patreon if you want. And go ahead and give them a shout out, And Jeff, just FYI. Who's Jeff? (laughs) Who in the (laughs) F F is Jeff? Jeff? (laughs) Who the F is Jeff? (laughs) Um, just FYI, patrons are getting a note from me personalized with custom stickers that I designed. Which is pretty cool because she's talented. So, yeah, you're not just getting nothing. Yet. Jeff, uh, every time I hear the name Jeff, I think of the uh, Twitter, or I mean the Vine that went famous with Jeff. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. He goes, he goes uh, something about you want to go? I'm down. Shut up, Jeff. Nobody's talking to you. Yikes. Okay. Um, so anyway, like I was saying, we have a new, we have a few new Patreons to thank. Chelsea Praisewater, Kristen Powell, Maddie Green, Spencer Sider, and Gianna Ray. Shout out, y'all. Thank you so you much. Know what? Honestly, you guys are awesome. When you do this, you can think about this. You're giving us $5. And the $5, <laughs> if you want to know the truth, it goes to Kelly in the morning to buy a cup of coffee so she can get fuel to buy the to write the next episode. Okay, that's actually not true. I'm joking. Yikes. I mean, we pay for the stickers and everything, but I'm just, I, it's a joke. Eventually, I want to get better microphones so you don't have to hold yours that and then cool, it doesn't I come hold through. It and then you guys complain. And... I complain. Nobody has complained, but I can complain because I hear you messing with your mic and it drives me crazy. Anyways, let's get into the episode. What are we talking about, right. Kelly? Today, we are talking about the Delphi murders. This is a very popular, well-known case. So many of you that are listening right now may already know about it, but as we know, Austin knows nothing. I was going to say, it means nothing to me when you say that. About true crime at all. So I'm just an oblivion. We are going to see how he reacts to this one. This is a very frustrating case, and it is still unsolved, Austin. Uh, I'll solve it, dummy. So here we go. We begin this story in Delphi, Indiana, on February 13th, 2017, almost exactly three years ago. To the day when this Mm -hmm. airs. Good Lord, Jandis. Two girls, Abigail Williams and Liberty German, became best friends when they played on the same volleyball team in seventh grade. They also played in the band together. They played saxophone. 
So one of Libby's friends described Libby as a band geek and said that she was huge on science and that their science teacher inspired Libby to become a science teacher. She was really close to her family. She had three sisters. She loved her mom so much. Her friend Abigail, or Abby, was a little more quiet and shy when she was around big groups, but when she was around her close friends, she really came out of her shell and became much more outgoing. Abby really wanted to help people and proved herself to be a very compassionate and like very caring, empath- empathetic girl. So Abby and Libby became really close, spending a lot of their time together. In 2017, they were in eighth grade, and on this day, February 13th, they had the day off of school. It was a built-in snow day, so they spent the night before together, and then that Monday, the weather was unusually warm, so the girls decided to spend the day outside. At 1.30 that day, Liberty's sister Kelsey drove them to a nature trail and dropped them off. The deal was Kelsey would drop them off, but Kelsey had to go to work. So the plan was for Libby's grandpa, who was also her parental guardian, um, the plan was for her grandpa to pick them up in a couple hours at a specified spot at around 3.15 that afternoon. So they were only going to spend a couple hours there. On this trail, there is a bridge that used to be a train track, and it's known as the Monon High Bridge over Deer Creek. And this bridge is about 75 feet high, and it's really old. In fact, a train hadn't crossed it in decades, and the railroad ties were decaying. The gaps between the slats were pretty wide, so you had to be really careful crossing it. Like the wood on the bridge felt kind of spongy, you know, when like when mm-hmm. wood is just a little bit of give to it. Yeah. Um, and so it was clearly decaying. And yeah, you had to be super careful so that your feet didn't, you know, slip Slide through the through cracks. Or the rotted wood break. Or that, yeah. yeah. So anyone familiar with this trail knew that they had to be super careful on it. And if you were afraid of heights, I mean, there's no railings. It's literally just a flat bridge. No railings. No bueno. I would not be you on it. You would not find me on it. Let me tell you something else. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows, I hate roller coasters. <laughs> Thank right? you, Austin. So let's get back into it. <laughs> so the girls, sorry. Okay, so the girls are on this bridge. And at 2.07 that afternoon, Libby takes a picture of Abby on this bridge. And she posts it to her Snapchat. And the picture shows Abby. It's kind of one of those like artsy, candid-looking photos. So she takes this picture of Abby, just kind of walking on the bridge. And then she posts it to her Snapchat. That's at 2.07. 3.15 rolls around and Libby's dad or grandpa, you know, I think he's like a father figure. So anyway, he pulls up to the area where he's supposed to pick up the girls, but they are not there. He starts looking for them, but they're nowhere. Libby's not answering her phone. They're not responding to calls. Like they're calling the girls' names. Nobody's responding. And it's February, so it starts to get kind of dark around 5.30, and that's when they're officially reported as missing. I'm glad it happened quick and not like 48 hours later or something No, crazy. no. They, they looked cases. around for a little while and then um, called the police. I dislike the cases where there's like 24 hours pass, and they're like, it was starting to get weird, so we finally called. Mm-hmm. That's annoying. Yeah. So initially, the family had no reason to suspect that foul play was involved. They thought maybe the girls just got lost on the trail and couldn't find their way out of the woods. 
when they spoke with authorities, they mentioned um, issuing an Amber Alert, but they didn't meet the criteria. So at first, the only fear was that the girls would be exposed to the elements. So Monday night, a large search ensued. Friends, family, members of the community came out. And this is a small town. I think the, the population was only like five or 6,000 people. So super small town. News but, spread fast. Yeah, news spread fast. Amber and a lot of people shit, came that, out. Nowadays, they'll throw it on your iPhone. and Yeah, except now we're getting phone calls, which I think is so much more ineffective. Phone calls? Yeah, apparently now they call you from a, a number, like some random... I think Kansas City number is what we get. And that's how they're alerting. Someone just said that to me at work the other day. I was like, well, that's not effective because I don't answer calls I don't recognize. That's weird. It was way more effective when you were like in a public space and everyone's phones started going off and you yeah. knew there was an Amber Alert. That's interesting. But anyway, that's another story for another day. So anyway... Everyone is searching for the girls. They searched until midnight that night. And by then, they had to stop the search because it was so dark and they didn't have the right resources to continue searching. Even at this time, though, they still didn't suspect any immediate danger or like foul play. They just thought the girls were truly lost. I see. I th- what that- are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are it's a huge park. So I'm trying to think, you know, these seventh or eighth grade girls, I'm trying to think of what would be relative. So my guess is something maybe like Krug Park, but um, which still isn't really that big. But I know like if you get lost on those trails, you know, there's like dirt trails. I mean, maybe it is easy to get lost. However, if you have that many people shouting your names, you'd think eventually you would come across the girls if they're just lost. Yeah. I don't know. I I guess thinking that they're seventh or eighth grade mm-hmm. in a park, okay, but it would have to be like a conservation area and like a lot of acreage, not yeah. A and park. I think it was. I think it was a pretty big park. But as a mother, though, I mean, I would be super suspecting, scared. I'd be suspecting foul play of some sort. Yeah, or just something's not right. Something's not okay. There is a sense of urgency. We must find them. It's not right. just about weather. It's about their well-being. Right. Um, so the next day was Valentine's day. The search resumed with the same friends and family. And now the police were there helping with canine units. Even dive teams came out to help the search. Finally, though, around noon, one of the volunteer searchers found the girls only about 30 feet from the bridge. And this was technically on a man's land named Ron Logan, And although he was ruled out as a suspect, we will come back to him when we discuss the people involved in this story. So we'll we'll circle back to Ron. The girls were allegedly found with, quote, strange signature markings, but the details have never been released. In fact, their cause of death has never been released to this day. What? There has only been speculation. So... Obviously, it was ruled a homicide, but the actual cause of death was never um, released. So people who went to their visitation recalled that the girls were both wearing scarves in their caskets. So it's easy to then assume that maybe the girls were strangled or their throats had been cut, but that is just speculation. It's never been confirmed. And they both had these markings? Yes. They both had scarves on. We don't know of any markings. We just know that they had scarves on. So maybe those scarves were placed on the girls to cover something up. Okay. So 
I don't know. It's just so bizarre to me that no other details were ever released. However, that night, the night of the 15th, just one day after the girls were found. So when I say that night, I meant to say earlier, autopsies the next day proved that the manner of death was homicide, but everyone already knew that, I think. So anyway, the night of the autopsies was the 15th, just one day after the girls were found, and police release a photo of a man who appeared to be walking on the high bridge that day. And the photo shows a man in blue jeans and what appears to be a brown hoodie with a dark blue jacket over the hoodie. And his hands were in his like front pocket. And it looks like they're in either in his jean pockets or in the pocket of his hoodie. Um, But anyway, the police tell the public that they just want to speak to this guy, but at the time did not call him a suspect. The next day, the 16th, police serve a search warrant at a home on Bicycle Bridge Road. And they did this because of a tip that they received, but the search turned up nothing and no arrests were ever made. And I'm not sure whose house it was that they searched, but I did look up Bicycle Bridge Road in Delphi, Indiana, and this road lines up and kind of intersects with the trails. So I'm inclined to think that this warrant was at Ron Logan's house, who I mentioned earlier. Ron Logan was cleared of having any involvement in the girls' murders, but the interesting thing here is that he was on probation for DUIs and only had like a month left on his Um, probation. He wasn't supposed to be driving at all, but when they asked him for an alibi, he had to admit that he was not at home that day. He was at a city dump, apparently, and had to admit that he drove there. So he ended up getting arrested for breaking his probation, but he was able to serve the rest of his sentence on um, home detention. And he has never been considered a suspect. And I don't believe he is a suspect either. But It's just one of those things where he is, you know, just a crappy situation. These girls are found on technically his property, even though it is part of the trail. And he has to admit that he broke the rules, but it's in order to clear him as a suspect in this murder. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I'm not saying anything about Ron Logan because he'll listen to this episode and freaking sue our pants off. You're a free man, Ron. We're telling him, he, we're saying he's guilty. Yeah, he's but innocent. I'm not putting up with this crap. Okay. That's interesting. So, then on February 19th, five days after the girls were found dead, the police hold a press conference and announce that the man in the photo is officially considered a suspect, and they explain why. Good, because I would have called him a suspect, too. Babe, the photo of this man came from Libby's phone. When the girls were on the bridge... I just got the goosebumps, everybody. When the girls were on the bridge, they got creeped out by this man who appeared to be following them, and Libby loved true crime. I got the freaking goosebumps. I know everybody else does too, so I got to tell them. Yeah, so um, like I was saying, she loved true crime, and she actually had the frame of mind to take a short video clip of this man approaching them on the bridge. Then she put her phone in her pocket while it was still recording. And apparently there is a ton of video footage that the police have not released that includes a lot more, but I'm only going to play an audio clip that they pulled from her phone that was extracted from this private clip that nobody else has seen. So 
What I'm going to play is just the audio that they released. And just to clarify, the video clip is of the man walking on the bridge towards the girls. And the audio clip is when he's clearly much closer to them and he orders the girls down the hill. What? I'm Play going. It. I'm going to play this video for Austin a few times, and I'm going to put this on our Mama Mystery page on Instagram, Mama Mystery, and um, I'm going to let it repeat a little bit because it's really quick. So I'll just let it repeat a few times. Um, but here it is, Austin. You can clearly hear him. Yeah, so you can clearly hear him saying, guys, down the hill. And then you get a pretty good look at him in the video Kelly puts on. You'll see it. Yeah, so I'll also be adding the video clip um, that that Libby caught on her phone as he was walking towards them on the bridge. He looks like kind of a overweight white guy. Yeah, um, and he's... I don't know. It's it's hard to... You just have to see it yourself. 100% a suspect. Oh, for sure. They're very confident that this is the guy. And I think from Gosh. from the way they explained it, <clears throat> that, you know, they had more footage. So I'm... What I believe is that there's more footage from Libby taking that video and then putting it in her pocket. And I think it recorded a lot more of what happened afterwards. For her to have the, like, mm-hmm. mindset to the... the whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the frame of the mind. The frame of mind to do that. Yeah. And got a pretty clear image of him. Yeah. So they don't know where he is? No. Okay, so Indiana State Police Captain David Burston said that they actually have more footage from Libby's phone, but it will not be released to the public. From what I understand, it's not uncommon to hold on to details of a crime so that a potential criminal will then admit something that only they would know and essentially, like, incriminate themselves or prove their involvement. But their choice to release so little information just leaves so much to the imagination. He says, guys down the hill in a very typical Midwestern accent that's really like indistinguishable. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I may not be using that word right, but like you can't, he just sounds like anybody. Right. So, um. Well, and like if you got to get on and see the video, go to the Instagram and watch the video because it's like, he he, he's just kind of a uh, average American looking dude. But like yeah. to have this much intel yes. and not be able to have a lead on him, it's so they didn't so have any lead on him eerie. at all. Um, well, I'll I'll kind of talk about that. But as of right now, no, nobody has been arrested. Dude's um, just wandering through the park and sees two little girls. Mm-hmm. Clearly has something to do with it. Yeah, no question. This guy clearly has something to do with it, but they cannot for sure pin who he is. And I wish I knew more. I wish I knew if a sexual assault took place, so maybe they could gather DNA evidence, or if they even had DNA evidence at all on the girls. Or apparently, the killer left behind a ton of evidence, according to the police, what? but they won't say what the evidence is. See, that is infuriating. So it's like, okay. <laughs> How do you have all this evidence but no leads? That it baffles me and it frustrates me because I'm just like, what? That's I, to be her family or both either of their families, Gabby or I'm sorry, Abby's or Libby's, it has to just be like hell on earth. Yeah. Yeah. You want to kill that guy. Yeah, I mean, you hear it and it's like, it's so eerie. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. It's not often that I get like truly, truly bothered by a case, but this one really, really bothers me. So much unknown. And just to But so much known. 
So much unknown, yet so much evidence. And to hear him tell them to go down the hill and them have to do this like death march down this trail. Yeah, to imagine like said, the fear. It, like you said, you leave so much up to the imagination, yeah. which is just the worst in this yeah. situation. But like, it's not often though that you get a clip of a crime taking place like that. And to hear him tell the girls to go down the hill. And see that's him. sickening. And see him. Mm-hmm. And like the, re, the, the uh, for lack of better words, the relaxation in his voice. Guys, down the hill. Yeah. And it's just like commanding. And it's, it, it, eerie's a good word for it. Yeah. So police release a sketch of the suspect that they, they based it off of that video of what that guy appears to look like. And um, they're convinced that the killer is from or at least very familiar with the Delphi or with the Delphi area because of the way that he casually and comfortably walked along the bridge. Uh, many people on it are very careful to walk that bridge because it's very easy for your foot to fall through the slat. And then like the bridge kind of wobbles a little bit, especially when it's windy. So when he's walking with his hands in his pockets and he's just kind of looking down, he doesn't appear to be afraid of heights or a newcomer. Yeah. He just seems very comfortable with this bridge. Like he's been on it before. So I'm showing Austin and you guys can see this on our Instagram page too. the mugshot that they came up with based on the picture that came from Libby's phone. And it does kind of look like, yeah, this looks pretty accurate. It would make sense, but at the same time, it's so much unknown. But yeah, it would make sense. Yeah. And when, you know, I always have a hard time looking at sketches and really placing a guy because I'm uh, obviously I, I never know anybody that's in a sketch, but... Right. But then when other people come forward and you compare them, that's when it's kind of interesting. So um, anyway, the first sketch that the police reveal is of a man in a cap, and he appears to be a little older, like maybe he's nearing his 40s. The second sketch that they release is someone who appears to be a bit younger, and he's clean shaven, and you see his hair, and he doesn't have a cap on. Looks nothing like what I would expect. Looks a little, yeah, and he doesn't, and I'll post this to the Instagram page too, but um, he doesn't look like the person in the jacket. He looks just, yeah, like the other guy, the other sketch looked a lot more accurate, so. That's exactly back to what I said of like, man, how do you sketch, uh, like, it doesn't look very good. Like, how do you depict something that's so blurry and so far? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how do you really come up with details? So anyway, it's estimated, or they estimated, that the killer was between 18 and 40 years old, and almost 10,000 tips poured in shortly after the murder. And the reward um, grew to $100,000 for any tips leading to an arrest. Um, which actually later doubled to over $200,000. But this garnered like national attention. So anyway, residents were cautioned not to harass or accuse anyone that they suspect may be involved or may be accused like through rumors or hearsay. Because you have to remember, this was a really small town and everyone was on edge, not knowing who did this or if their kids were safe. So... By February 23rd, 10 days after the girls were murdered, the FBI took over the hotline for tips, um, but months would go by with no new leads in the case. Then on September 27th of 2017, in El Paso County, Colorado, a man named Daniel Nations was arrested for allegedly threatening people with a hatchet on a Colorado trail. 
Two weeks prior to that, a bicyclist was shot to death while he was on the same Colorado trail and they couldn't figure out who did it. He was arrested while, so Daniel was arrested while he was driving a vehicle with expired Indiana license plates and was immediately linked to the incident with the hatchet. So a little bit about him. Daniel Nations is a registered sex offender and also has convictions for domestic battery and drug possession. In 2015, he had to register as a sex offender after he hid in the stall of a woman's restroom, peeping at women and pleasuring himself. He was later charged with some misdemeanors, and he also got evicted from his apartment. And from what I read, he had rented this apartment from his employer, and this employer did an interview with one of the local local news stations, and he said that um, he got a really bad vibe from Daniel Nations, that he... Um, had like a really bad temper and that when he got kicked out of the apartment, he like trashed the apartment and he was just known to be kind of like a hothead. And he had a way of like introducing himself as this good, decent guy, ex-military, this and that, but then would show like his true colors and it was just not dirtbag, kind of a dirtbag. So then in June of 2017, Daniel Nations registered as a homeless sex offender. And when you're a homeless sex offender, you have to check in every single week because you don't have an address that keeps track of you. So you have to actually go and check in um, with like, it's kind of like a probation officer, I guess. So at the time of the murders, he was homeless and said he was living under bridges in Indiana. And... He was very punctual about his check-ins. He was always checking in, always on time. In fact, he checked in on February 14th, the day the girls were found. In Indiana? In in Indiana. But by April, he stopped checking in, and it wasn't until a few months later that the police released the sketch of the suspect in the Delphi case. Well, the sketch looks like a perfect sketch of Daniel Nations. No way. That's him. Holy shit. You cannot tell me this is like not the most eerily similar. I've never seen a sketch look more like a suspect in my life. Oh my gosh, the far apart eyes, everything. The mouth, the nose, the shape of the nose. All of it. That is wild. Literally looks just like him. And I ended up reading some interviews because, of course, Daniel Nations um, claims his innocence. Why wouldn't you? And he says that there's just too many things that don't line up. Like, for for example, he's ex-military, so he would never let his hair grow shaggy like that. Well, first of all, he was homeless for a long time. Secondly, when you look in the picture, it doesn't even look – I mean – you can't hardcore say he has shaggy hair in the yeah in the um, in the picture from Libby's phone yeah it, in the video yes and there's pictures of him other mugshots because he's got like five or six there's other mugshots where he does have longer hair so I mean if that's really all he's got it's not much but ah uh, the resemblance is uncanny so. His probation officer or the person he was checking in with, whatever, takes note of this, and an investigation begins on just who Daniel Nations really is. After the whole incident in Colorado, Indiana investigators come out and say that he is a person of interest, but they don't come out and say that he's actually a suspect. They say they can't rule him in and they can't rule him out. But then on the one-year anniversary of the murder, police come out and say that Daniel Nations is not someone they care about anymore and crossed him off their list. Man, 
how? I wish they'd share more. I know. I wish I wish that too. I wish they would share more because I don't understand how he can look so much like the sketch and he was in the area and he has all like a criminal history. Like it seems like it all ties up or, you know, like makes sense, but right. how does it not? I don't know. So anyway, um, Another person of interest in this case was a man named Charles Eldridge, and I'll put the side-by-side of his mugshot as well. This is him, Austin. Creepy-looking dude, for sure. Super creepy-looking dude. Can you imagine coming across that dude? Oh, God, no. Saying, come down this hill. Yeah, and he doesn't completely... He doesn't resemble the sketch as much as Daniel Nations does, but... He does he look does a little heavier it. set. Yeah, he, he resembles it, but he also looks a little more heavier set, kind of like the guy on the bridge. Yep, I agree. So like, I can see how his make would make sense. Um, but Charles Eldridge was arrested on January 8th of 2019 during an undercover sting operation in Union City, Indiana, because he went to meet with who he thought was a 13-year-old girl, but was greeted by an undercover cop instead. <sighs> I'd like to take a baseball bat to those type of people. Oh my gosh, right? Ugh, me too. And he admits to the police that he's had multiple um, interactions with 13-year-old girls. <sighs> Fucking sick. Yeah. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. So, um, but he was only linked to the Delphi murders because of his resemblance to the sketch. So when his mugshot was posted on the news... Viewers called into the tip line to suggest that he resembled the, the sketch, but when police looked into him, they weren't able to find any viable links to the murder of Abby and Libby. So two years have gone by. On April 22nd, 2019, Indiana State Police announced that they were moving the case in a, quote, new direction. They released the short video clip of the suspect walking along the bridge. That's the one we've been talking about, the one that will be on the Instagram page, in hopes that someone might recognize his gait. But even then, it's only like a two-second clip. You see him take like two steps. And part of it is like he's starting to change direction as if he's walking towards the girls. So you don't really get to see a whole lot of his gait. Whatever. I don't know. I just, I wish they weren't withholding so much, but I trust that investigators know what they're doing. They're doing what they believe is best for the case. Trust the process, whatever. But to this day, now in 2021, no new suspects have been named in this case. So it continues to go unsolved. Since the murder, a nonprofit organization was created to celebrate and commemorate the lives of, of Abby and Libby, and plans to build a sports complex in their honor have come to fruition. The park is called Abby and Libby Memorial Park. It has baseball fields, playgrounds, and a stage for performances. Libby's sister, Kelsey, has become a victim's advocate and works hard to keep her sister and Abby's memories alive. For more information on this case, there is another podcast called Down the Hill, and it dives deep, deep, deep into this case. They've got multiple episodes. I mean, it is deep. It's deeper than I ever wish to go on this podcast. So if you're interested in more information, because this is unsolved, um, go check it out. I wish I had more information on this or even a better ending, but I just don't because it doesn't really exist. Yeah. And I can tell already that this case is going to be on my mind for a long, long time. I feel horrible for the family. It's infuriating just listening to it. Imagine it being your kids. Oh my gosh! You, yes. I mean, 
it's beating a dead horse just talking about it. You'd be your family. You'd be talking about it to this day. Oh yeah. I would never let up. I mean, I, I have kids so I can relate to the like passion I feel towards my children. If something were to ever happen to them, like I can't relate to ever losing a child, but I can't even fathom how painful that would be. And And especially in this sense, when someone took them and you can't, you don't have no opportunity to wrap your hands around their throat. And you imagine the fear that they had Whenever she got her phone out and was filming that guy and thought, thought, this guy looks suspicious. She's already into crime. She decided to film it, Mm -hmm. had the frame of mind to do that. Can you imagine, like, just, gosh, just as, like, who we are, just having to think about what they went through. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine their family. I feel for them. Yeah. It's It's a horrible, horrible If you would have told me that there was a case you were going to discuss that had... that had video Mm -hmm. of the guy from the suspects, that had... volume of the guy talking Mm -hmm. that the the victim got their phone out and filmed it and then the outcome is this Mm -hmm. would have never you know now that i'm thinking about it i wonder if they withhold a lot of information because if somebody came in with a tip that said hey this guy was talking about it and this was a detail he shared then you know they can verify if it's true or not so Maybe there's also that. I don't know. I don't really know. I just, I hate that there's not more to go off of. I hate that there's not a happier ending. Um, There's really no happy ending in a murder. I guess the only... um, Hope is closure. Yeah, the only type of like, what am I trying to say? The only ending that I like is when there's justice. And there's no justice here. So that sucks. Quick 35-minute episode for your commute, your day, your workout. Hope you enjoyed. Yes. We'll be back on Monday, unless you're a Patreon. We'll see you sooner, probably. Share this with a friend, if you would. If you found it interesting, if you were entertained, it helps us a ton to get reach when you share it with friends, when you put it on your Instagram story, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. And mama, mystery. We out. Bye. 